The scripture reading for today will come from John chapter 10, and we will go from verse 1 through 21. John, the 10th chapter, verses 1 through 21. Please rise for the reading of God's Word. This is the Word of the Lord. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeepers open. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of the strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the, as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, He has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, These are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When the Bible tells us that Jesus, the Son of God, became man, most people understand this as simply meaning that Jesus put on flesh and bones. However, the incarnation of Jesus extends beyond his physique or his anatomy. See, not only was Jesus fully man, as the Bible tells us, but he was a man who was fully immersed in the culture of his day. And so Jesus had a Middle Eastern family and friends. He had, or he spoke the language of the day. He had a trade and a skill that was common and necessary for his time. In other words, Jesus wasn't like Marty McFly in Back to the Future, right? Uh, you know, same flesh and bones, but just seems different from another time 
or another place. Now, Jesus didn't come as an IT consultant speaking English, uh, you know, eating cheesesteaks. No, he came as a carpenter. He spoke Aramaic and he ate hummus and pita bread. Jesus was a man who was fully immersed in the culture and in the time of his world. And we see this most clearly in the way that he communicates, in the way that he talks. In today's passage, Jesus, he wants to tell his hearers something really important. He wants to communicate how he feels about his people. And he wants to tell them how much he's committed to them. But how does he tell his people these things? He tells them these truths. He tells them his heart. He communicates these things through the use of a familiar metaphor, the metaphor of shepherding. See, Jesus, when he communicates to his people, he uses language from a very common practice at that time, something that everyone was familiar with. Everyone knew what shepherding was like. They knew what a shepherd was like. They knew what sheep was like. He uses this world of shepherd and sheep to convey this important message that he has. In other words, to put plainly, Jesus doesn't use heavenly language, but he uses earthly language to describe heavenly realities. And so if I can just sum up for us today, there are three things that Jesus is trying to communicate to his people. And these are the three truths. The first truth, that Jesus knows us. The second, that Jesus leads us. And the third, that Jesus cares for us. So the first truth, Jesus knows us. You know, one of the most basic things about a shepherd is that he knows his sheep. At any time, a shepherd may be keeping watch over hundreds of sheep at a time. But no matter how large that flock is, a good shepherd knows each and every one of his sheep. Now, I was reading a book this week written by a former shepherd. Um, he was a shepherd in East Africa. And in this book, he was describing um, the life of a shepherd. And he kept talking about this intimate knowledge that he as a shepherd had of his sheep. A shepherd not just knows his sheep generally, but he knows his sheep intimately. In fact, he knows each individual characteristics of all the sheep that he owns. He knows which sheep has a tendency to run away. He knows which sheep uh, were stubborn in character. He knows which sheep were timid. He would know the history and the background of each sheep. In fact, before a shepherd even purchases or buys a sheep, he knows the information. He knows the background, where it's from, where it was grazing, what country it was from. Even, the shepherd even knows each sheep's mother. In fact, a really good shepherd is even able to identify the sound of each sheep according to their bleaks according to their cries. He knows the sound of their voices. Now, if you and I were ever in the midst of grazing sheep, we wouldn't be able to tell any of them apart, would we? I mean, still to this day, I can't even tell animal species apart. I take my kids to the zoo and they ask me, they see this animal, they say, Dad, Dad, what animal is that? And I'm thinking, wait, is that a goat or a sheep? Wait, is, is that just a, a ram? And then, you know, I, I go up, you know, they have that little plaque, that sign plaque, and I go up to read it, and it says, 
Orvis Arius. You know, it's always in Latin. Like, why do they do that? You can't. You don't even know what it is. But I mean, like, we we can't tell sheep apart. We let alone uh, animal species. But not so the shepherd. The the shepherd knows all of his sheep well. He knows them intimately. And this is what Jesus says as he talks about this in verse three. He says. The shepherd calls his own sheep by name, by name. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own. Friends, this is a a powerful message. Jesus tells us that Jesus, he just doesn't love us with this general love. The love that Jesus has for us is not this general love that sweeps over everything and everyone and it's just general. No, but the Bible tells us that Jesus, when he loves us, he loves us with an intimate love. See, you and I are not just a person in a pool of other people. No, to Jesus, we are an individual. To Jesus, we are a name. So when Jesus looks at his people, when he looks at the church, it isn't just a sea of faces to him. No, Jesus sees each individual, and he knows each of us by name. As a shepherd knows his sheep intimately, so also Jesus knows us intimately. He knows our history. He knows our past. He knows our sins. He knows our personality and our character traits. He knows our sinful habits. He knows our fears. He knows what we have been through. He knows what irks us and what calms us. Jesus has this intimate knowledge of of us, his sheep. Do you know how else this intimate knowledge is described? In Matthew 10, Matthew 10 tells us that God, he knows us so well that he has counted the very hairs on our head. That is how intimately he knows you. He knows our inner being, the fiber of our being. He knows all of our thoughts. He knows us intimately and personally. And I know sometimes we might feel otherwise especially sometimes at large gatherings, maybe at church. You know, some of you might not be heavily involved in the life of the church. You might attend worship and just leave, and you wonder, does anyone even know that I'm here? Does anyone even know my name? But if you are his people, you mustn't worry or think, does God even know who I am? He does. He knows you like a shepherd knows his sheep. Now, isn't that amazing? You know, we, we live in this celebrity-crazed world. And, you know, I have to admit, you know, I once, um, I, I once wanted to gain the recognition of a celebrity. And so what I did was I created a Twitter account, and I started tweeting at this individual. He, he was a male, just, just he was a male. Uh, please don't misunderstand. Um, And I started, you know, even blogging about this individual and tweeting about this individual to actually get his recognition so that he could just retweet me once so that he could acknowledge me. And this was only a few years back. I was married. I had kids. And, you know, I'm still pretty ashamed of this. But I just wanted his recognition. You know, 
for some of us, you know, if, if Kendrick Lamar ever acknowledged you with a retweet, I mean, we would go crazy. But the God of the universe, the God of the universe, this all-powerful God, he doesn't just acknowledge you, but he knows you in an intimate way. He knows you better than anyone else knows you. He just didn't retweet you, but he has made you the apple of his eye. You know, that's why the psalmist at one point, he's uh, observing creation. He's observing all that God has made. And he looks up and he sees the sun, moon, and stars. And he says, wow, what infinite power and what majesty. And do you know what the psalmist says? After he sees how amazing and wonderful God is, he says, but God, who am I? that you are mindful of me? Who am I that you care for me? You know, isn't it comforting to know that when Jesus died for you and me, we weren't just a name on a sheet of paper. When he died for you and me, he died for us knowing us, knowing all of us, knowing all of our sins. We don't come as a surprise to Jesus. Jesus isn't surprised by us and say, oh, I didn't know that about you. No, he knows us so well as a shepherd knows his sheep. The second point is that Jesus, he's trying to communicate that he is leading us. You know, one of the reasons why a shepherd has to intimately know his sheep is so that he can lead his sheep. If you look in these verses, verse 3, he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. Verse 9, we find here, Jesus starts to mix metaphors. Not only is he now the shepherd, but in verse 9, he talks about how he is the door through which the sheep enter. So Jesus, as the shepherd, he is also the door through which he is leading his sheep through. We find in verse 16, Jesus saying, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And so what we have in John 10 is a picture of this active shepherd who is not just sitting back and watching his sheep, who is not just content with where his sheep are at, but he's actively seeking, he's actively bringing, he's actively leading his flock. You know, an interesting thing about sheep is that they have excellent peripheral vision. They can see almost behind themselves without actually turning their heads. I think they have somewhere close to 300 degrees of vision. So they can see even like behind here. If you look at their eyes, it's, it's shaped in this way and they can actually see behind them. But because they have excellent peripheral vision, they, they really have poor uh, depth perception. So even what's right in front of them, they can't see. And so you can imagine sheep, right? You know, sheep as they're grazing, what do they do? They, they lose sight of what's ahead. But what are they looking at? They're always looking sideways. They're always looking behind. And so you can see how critical the shepherd's job is. The shepherd's job to move them along. The shepherd's job to make sure that they're just not looking sideways or behind, but just keep moving them along to safer pastures, to still waters. You know, the question that we have to ask this morning is, as Jesus, as a shepherd, as he's leading us, where is he leading us? John answers that for us. He talks about this all throughout this, his gospel, but especially here in today's passage, he talks about Jesus 
coming to give life, that we may have life and have it abundantly. Or in verse 28, he talks about how my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And what does he do? He gives them eternal life so that they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of the shepherd's hand. Where is Jesus the shepherd leading his sheep? He is leading them to life. Jesus, he's bringing his sheep out and leading them to eternal life life. Remember Psalm 23. This is the psalm, well-known psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. It's a beautiful psalm about how God is like a shepherd. And if you actually follow this psalm, what is going on? The psalmist, he is describing a journey, how the Lord is leading him as a shepherd, and it's a journey. First, it starts in green pastures. Then he moves to still waters, and they go where eventually? to the valley of the shadow of death. But where does the psalm end? As the shepherd is journeying, leading his sheep, where does the psalm end? It ends at a banquet with cup overflowing. And the last line of this psalm is, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Friends, John, Jesus here in John 10 is iterating the same thing, that he as our shepherd is leading us in life to life. And all that he is orchestrating, the good and the bad, or figuratively the safe pastures and the valley of death, they are all working together to lead us to life eternal. See, this is the critical part of the gospel that we must not miss, that Jesus is leading. You know, we enter into life. We enter into eternal life, not by finding it on our own. We don't discover eternal life. We don't stumble upon it. And certainly, we don't journey on our own towards eternal but we enter into life because Jesus is leading us into it. As one author put it, we are the cherished objects of divine diligence. God in his diligence, Christ actively seeking, searching, bringing, gathering, and leading. If you see a shepherd out on the field, he's actively bringing. His eyes are everywhere, looking at every sheep. Just imagine a mom in a room filled with toddlers, actively seeking, actively bringing, actively leading, never for a moment resting. And this is what Jesus is doing for us, friends. This is where our assurance comes from. I mean, if for a moment you think about your life, how you became a Christian, how did you enter into life? What is your confession? Are you going to say, oh, I found it on my own? Oh, I reasoned that Jesus is the way, truth, and life. I stumbled upon it. Is that your confession? How did you become a Christian? Think about that. And think about the day that you die. 
Think about your last day on earth as you are on your deathbed and as you reflect back upon the decades and decades of your life, what is your confession? It's all the same for us. This my song through endless ages, Jesus led me all the way. Jesus led me all the way. So if you are in the proverbial desert, do not despair. The Lord is leading you. And if you are in paradise, quote-unquote paradise, do not consider it your end because the Lord is leading you. Finally, as we look at the third point, excuse me, the third point, I, I don't have it up here, but the third point is Jesus cares for us. Once again, the shepherd metaphor is real helpful here for obvious reasons. Because a shepherd, he cares for his sheep. A shepherd tends to his sheep. A shepherd looks after his sheep. He feeds it. He grooms it. He protects it. But at a certain point, this shepherd metaphor begins to break down. Because how does Jesus ultimately care for his sheep? He cares for his sheep in this way. Verse 15, I lay down my life for the sheep. This is how Jesus the shepherd cares for us. You know, in the book that I referenced earlier about this shepherd, he talks about the meticulous duties of a shepherd every day. You know, a shepherd has to sleep every night with one eye open and sometimes with even a, uh, a shotgun in his hands just in case if a wolf or a bandit comes, he has to go out to the fields and, and protect his sheep. He talks about how the shepherd has to rise early in the morning every day because the shepherd has to go out into the fields and they have to graze at dawn before the dew evaporates because the sheep, they need that water. He talks about how the shepherd has to groom them because sheep, their hair grows out quickly. He talks about how they have to meticulously care for them, bandaging any scars, making sure that they are healthy. And he says that a shepherd figuratively, a shepherd has to figuratively lay down his life for his sheep every day. But again, this is figurative speech. It's absolutely foolishness to think that a real shepherd would actually die, would literally die for his sheep. But you know what's even more foolish? It's more foolish to think that the creator of this world, that the eternal son of God would literally, would actually lay down his life for lowly sinners such as you and I. But he did. You know, while no shepherd in this world, no matter how good, would ever think about dying for his sheep, Jesus, the Son of God, actually laid down his life for us. And frankly, there is no metaphor in this world that can capture the, the beauty and the truth of this gospel. You know, when Jesus says, I lay down my life for my sheep, He's not speaking symbolically or figuratively. 
He is literally saying, I will die for my sheep. You know why a shepherd would never die for his sheep? You know why? Because it's not worth it. No matter how many sheep there are, no amount of sheep is worth the life of a human being. What one shepherd can do, no sheep in a million years can do. It's not worth it. A shepherd would never die for sheep, even though he cares for it, and he meticulously loves it. There is no shepherd who would actually die for sheep. But you know, when Jesus laid down his life for us, to give us life, to him, to Christ, it was worth it. We were worth it. We were worth it to Jesus. And even right now, even right now in our stubbornness and in our defiant ways, even right now as entitled Christians, even right now as Christians with ego and pride, even right now as Christians whose hearts are prone to wander, even right now as Christians who forget almost daily the grace that we have received, Jesus looks at you and I and says, It was worth it. Every last drop of blood, it was worth it. And so Jesus, we find here in John 10 in this discourse, he is using the shepherd's motif, the shepherd's metaphor to describe how much he loves us, how much he is committed to us. And as he describes his heart, At this point, this metaphor is stretched to the point that it breaks. Because a shepherd who lays down his life for a sheep, that actually doesn't make sense. Let me just give you a few points of application before we end. Because I think what what Jesus is saying here in today's passage, uh, it parallels quite well these these application points. And so let me um, give you these three points. I won't expound on it too much. But let me give you this first point. The first point is know your shepherd. You know, when Jesus says, I know my sheep, following that, he says, and my sheep know me. Right? And he talks about this intimate knowledge that he has of his sheep, but he also says, my sheep, they know me. And so this, this encouragement or this, this point that I want you to take away is, yes, as Jesus knows us intimately, I want to encourage you to also know who your shepherd is. Know Christ intimately as well. The second, listen to your shepherd. Jesus says this, I call out to my sheep. And what do they do? They listen to me. They know my voice. Jesus, earlier he talks about when thieves and bandits come and they try to bring them in, what do the sheep do? They don't listen. They don't listen to them. Why? Because the sheep knows the sound of their shepherd. They know what he sounds like, and only their shepherd would they listen to. Listen, for us, we ought to be cynical people. We ought to be cynical people. We ought to be cynical to the people who claim to be shepherds, who claim to have authority over us. We ought to be cynical over people who try to bring us out. We should not listen to them. The only voice we should listen to, the only person that we ought to listen to is Christ, our shepherd. 
And the third point of application as we just close this up is to follow your shepherd. Jesus says what? I go out, I call out to my sheep, they hear my voice, and they follow me. Because my sheep know me, they listen to me. When I call out to them, what do they do? They follow me. As we think about how Jesus in his ultimate love and his eternal love, he knew us, he led us, and he laid down his life for us. I want to encourage you as we reflect upon these things to know your shepherd, to listen to your shepherd, and to follow your shepherd, Christ Jesus our Lord. Join me in prayer.